step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Quinn Malarczyk. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the MLB Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I am Mark Warner, along with my esteemed co-host and content manager, Chris Lisa. This is our free agency season finale episode. We're going to be taking a little break here, and we have a few things to announce that we're going to be working on in the next few weeks. So we're going to take a little hiatus and get all this stuff straight and get ready for uh the next season, which will be the inaugural season of the Vegas Golden Knights, as everybody knows. So we're looking forward to that. Chris, good day to you, sir. Good day to you, sir. Yes. Uh, exciting, uh, exciting week uh, this week for the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Yeah, let's uh, let's go right to that. We're jumping in with a couple of uh, hockey websites that are just getting off the ground. Um, it's our pleasure and and privilege really to be associated with these two websites as they get off the ground uh be part of their inaugural podcast teams um first let's uh talk about chad Dominici's site grandstand sports network grandstandsports.com chris tell them about the grandstand yeah, it's uh you know Chad has uh, been a guest on this show, uh, a great writer on the Buffalo Sabers, and he uh, approached us about being uh, one of the first podcasts on the, this new site, which I believe is going to be up over the next week, no later than two weeks. Uh, so I think they're going to have an announcement with us on Tuesday. So uh, 
regarding uh, the Vegas Hockey Podcast. So, uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to partnering with with Chad and um, and uh, expanding. You know, having more people find the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Yeah, no, absolutely. That we're joining that affiliation. Uh, everyone knows we're already affiliated with thehockeywriters.com and part of their podcast page, and and just expanding with SoundCloud and iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Um, now we're we're jumping in with Grandstand Sports and and another uh, you know show favorite of ours, Russ Cohen, is also putting together an audio boom channel that he's invited us to join with as part of their launch as well. So tell, tell them about the audio boom channel. Yeah, it's a great thing. You know, I reached out to Russ on, on a question and we, it quickly turned into, uh, you know, talking about uh, doing a partnership with him and uh, Russ's uh, reputation is phenomenal. As good as his reputation is as a hockey guy, He's that good of a guy as well. So um, we saw that first and foremost this week when we spoke to him, both of us. So uh, really excited about that as well. Uh, you know, uh, Russ knows the league inside and out. He knows the prospects. Absolutely. And, uh, and, he, and he knows the uh, coming draft guys inside and out, going to all the combines. And I think he's at the development camp this, this weekend for the Flyers. So, um, yeah, really excited about both relationships and, and we'll have both guys uh, on the show, uh, you know, a couple times at least next season as well. Well, certainly we'll have to do a show with each one individually to, uh, you know, let everybody know where to find the sites and and how to get in touch with all the content that they're going to have. Both first-rate individuals, we have all the confidence in the world that their sites are going to be first-class, first-rate as soon as they get launched. And everyone needs to go over to the Audio Boom channel with Russ and GrandstandSports.com and check out all the good stuff that the chat has over there because they both, I mean, if you've listened to the show at all and, and you've heard these guys talk that one thing they, they know inside and out is the national hockey league and hockey in general as well. So it's our privilege and honor to announce these two new affiliations for the show with our growing listenership. It is uh, definitely a nice, nice boost to the show and our platform and we really appreciate Chad and Russ reaching out to us and inviting us to become a part of their team. It's uh, it's our privilege to join them. And speaking of you know speaking of our growing listenership, I've been watching Sweden on our analytics site that we use. Um, our our fans in Sweden are amazing. They're up to ten percent of total listens listens over there. So a, a special shout out to our our fans in Sweden. If anyone wants to email the show. Mark Warner at VegasHockeyPodcast.com. If you're from Sweden, I will mail you a Vegas Hockey Podcast polo shirt in your choice of colors just because we appreciate you guys so much. That's a special end-of-the-year deal for uh, all of our Sweden fans who really show up big in the last in the last season with, with listening to the show and, and reaching out. So email the show, Mark Warner, at VegasHockeyPodcast.com, and I will get you a Vegas Hockey Podcast golf polo shirt out to you as soon as we can just, just to show our appreciation for the audience in Sweden. We love you guys. And uh, I know Chris has some for the fans in Sweden as well. Yeah, I hope everyone checks out my uh, recent article that I posted the other day, uh, especially the Swedish audience. Uh, the, the Islanders' young netminder, who's probably the most talented uh, 
young goalie in Sweden, uh, Linus Sundstrom, uh, who w- was amazing in prospect camp last week out here on Long Island. And uh, the future is very bright for him. And word is he's going to spend uh, one more year in Sweden and then come over uh, the following year to North America and be part of the Islanders goaltending tandem, which works out perfectly because uh, Yaroslav Bullock will, is on the last year of his deal. So uh, the timing works out well for everyone all involved. Nice, nice. And that's at eyes, yeah, and that's at eyesonisles.com, and I'll have a new article tomorrow as well on a, on another topic. All right. Well, everybody, make sure to get over to Iron Isles and check Chris's Chris's stuff out, and follow Chris on Twitter at thenlking.com. Well, this is our this is our end of the deal here. So we're gonna we're gonna go through free agency. Uh, any other any other moves and trades that are, you know, significant over the past week, the first first day or two? I didn't. I thought we were going to have a more frenetic pace, but it seemed like everybody that was going to sign. I mean, the big the big fish was was Shattenkirk, I guess, and and it was rumored to be going a couple places, but Rangers ended up with him. But mo- most everybody else kind of had leaked out. <laughs> where they were going. So there wasn't any real blockbusters uh, of what was going on, but what may have been the most important signing there on July 1st, and it wasn't a free agent signing was Connor McDavid with the Edmonton Oilers uh, signing his eight year, hundred million dollar deal, which makes him the highest annual average hit in the league by 2 million over both Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. And then Carey Price also this year is getting a bump up to 10 and a half million dollars. And I wanted I wanted to start with that because it might be the most important signing out of everybody in the in regards a obviously Connor McDavid stays in Edmonton f- until his free agency, but also as as far as the economics go, with what the cap ramifications are going to be for Edmonton, and also how it relates to the other superstars in the league, if you will, that are going to be coming up for for deals in the near future. Does, is this a one-off or is this set the market for the players that are going to be coming up in the next couple of years? And are they, do, you know, are they going to have an argument to, you know, ask for maybe more money than had previously been available to the players in the league, Chris? Yeah. It sets a new bar is what it does. I don't it, think uh, it really does. I want to take this if you want to take the stance of Connor McDavid, even at the young age of 20 years of age, is the best player in the league and no one should make more than him, okay, fine. Uh, the, the problem's going to be, let's take someone like Jack Eichel as, a, as an example. He's uh, the same draft class as Connor McDavid. Uh, if the Sabres want to sign him to a long-term extension, um, for instance, his agents could say, well, we know Jack is – at this point in time, you know, not has not produced like Connor McDavid, but you know what? He's three quarters, 80% as good. So we expect an eight year deal at, you know, 80% of $12.5 million. Uh, and why don't we just round that number up by a few hundreds of thousand to make it an even number kind of thing. So uh, again, uh, when I say this, I have nothing against Connor McDavid and his agents. Uh, God bless. Uh, they get what you can. With getting the best. Yeah, get what you can uh, for sure. 
But this, uh, he's, you know, again, they did lock him up for the next eight years. But keep in mind, he still has a year to go in his entry-level deal, and I believe he's at least five years away from free agency. And usually in sports, when and you see it a lot in baseball as well as hockey, is, is when these kind of deals go down, uh, the team approaches the player and says, look, we're willing, you know, we're want to extend you uh, an eight-year offer. You're years away from free agency, and you're still a year away from your bridge deal, and we're going to give you so much security that you're not going to know what to do with it all. But, you know, and, and, and then you're going to work with us in terms of the money and all that jazz, and it's going to be mutually beneficial for both of us uh, long-term as long as, you know, you stay healthy and all that good stuff. Um, so, you know, Economic David was basically treated like he was an unrestricted free agent. Um, you mentioned yeah. Jason Kane. It, it, it took them until they were a year away from unrestricted free agency after being a Stanley Cup winner to get to get that deal uh, that they got. So this is not this on so many levels is not good. Uh, I am sure that Lou Lamorello and Brendan Shanahan had to have a stiff drink when this news first leaked out. <laughs> uh, you know, be, the beverage you know, of choice. Again, look at that. Look at the, look at their situation now. Austin now, now if Matthews is twelve and a half. You know, what's Matthews, 11? I mean, and then you got Mitch Marner, then you got uh, Nylander, and they're not going to get, you know, so, uh, you know, it could wind up costing those three players. Uh, uh, you talk about a cap crunch, and, and I, I firmly believe, just as, as strongly as I felt, and again, this is no way, shape, or form anything against these players. Uh, at the end no, of the day, no, no, it's uh, economics. These are actions by the, the owners and the front offices. But when the summer of before the lockout, when you had the Parisi, Suter, and uh, Shea Weber deals, uh, actually Shea Weber signed with the Flyers and then Nashville matched it, you knew that Armageddon was coming. And I'm not saying Armageddon is coming, but uh, they're, you know, the, the way that the players' salaries are raising and how much the cap is crawling, it's not going to be sustainable. So uh, there's going to be uh, uh, it's going to be another hard negotiation for the league. I know we're about I think three years away from that, but negotiations uh, they have not gone well the last couple of times. It's been very painful. No, and you make a good point, and that'll bring us into the into the Leafs here. Um, that's going to be if what they've done so far. They 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 brought in Marlowe, three at six six and a quarter. Uh, Hainsey and more, they're already $3.9 million over the cap right now. And, mm-hmm. and con- like in, in the notes you sent me, Connor Brown is still out there. Um, yep. Not signed. With, be, they're already up against the cap. And those three players that you mentioned are on their entry level deals right now. Um, so I mean, two years away and one year away from their RFA deal. Um, what do you think – does it make sense for them to approach those three right now? And since those – well, they're not even allowed to talk to him yet, but no. when it becomes time, do they want to do the same thing with those three players and that, that we just saw Edmonton do? Or do you try and milk them into bridge contracts? Um, I think maybe the Leafs – it's a great point you make, Chris. I think maybe the Leafs are going to be the most affected by the Connor McDavid deal. Yeah, I that's a tough call. Um, 
you know, maybe they'll do it for Matthews and, and take more of a conservative approach with the other two. Uh, that's a tough call. They will have, um, you know, James Van Riem sites on the last year of his deal if he's not traded this summer because they have to get under the cap. Um, you know, a lot of people said, well, you know, they have Joffrey Loophole and Nathan Horton at, you know, $5 million and change each. Uh, and they can move them to long-term injured reserve. Yeah, they can, but I believe they can only do so on the second day of the NHL season, and they have to be camp compliant uh, right before the before. NHL season. So yeah. they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to move some. They gotta have to move some players out. Lupul comes off the cap after next year. He's got one more year to go. So they will have a couple of contracts coming off, uh, and they have locked up uh, their you know their young defenseman over there. So, but yeah, no, it's definitely an issue, and um, uh, I, I, I was a bit puzzled, to be honest with you, with Patrick Marlowe, who's going to be 38 in September. Uh, I, I guess they must feel like he's just a, a tremendous leader on the ice that will help this young team. Um, and nothing against them. I mean, I think he can help them, but you know, a three-year deal at six and a quarter at 38, boy, oh boy. Um, and he, he spent his whole career in San Jose. Um, you know, coming to Toronto, new team, new teammates. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'll be good next year. There'll be an adjustment period, but that, you know, I like the other two signings of Ainsley and Dominic Moore, but yeah, that that was definitely, uh, and he has a full no-move clause as well, so that was definitely a, an, an eye-popping one. Yeah, that seems like term is a little excessive, and salary is a little excessive on that. Um yeah. I would say probably he wasn't going to get that in San Jose. We saw just a, a quick throw out for San Jose Thornton with his one year, $8 million deal. Um, they certainly weren't going to get, get Marlowe done with three years at six and a quarter. So if, I mean, that offers on the table and again, not to bang the player, you're going to take that and you're going to go. And, and I, I, I Marlowe might be re-energized playing with this young core of, of players and be able to give that leadership in the locker room. Um, I like, I like the Hainsey, you know me, I'm a, and I did, a, I, I looked into the, this a little bit during the week. Uh, I like the Hainsey signing. I'm very big on getting players that have climbed the mountain and, and have their name on the Stanley cup into the locker room and, in young teams to show them the way and, and let them see what it takes to get to that level. I, uh, I, I, the Sharp and Oduya signings a couple years back in Dallas, I don't think it was any coincidence that they went to the conference finals the very next season after bringing players like that into the room. And I think that the Hainsey signing might pay off more in that respect than on ice returns. And I, I, I like that more probably than, well, what do you think of the Dominic Moore? What does he bring to the team? Uh, he's, he's a great complimentary player. He can kill penalties. Uh, he's kind of a heart and soul guy. I know him from his time with the Rangers here. You know, one-year deal at $1 million, you know, again, as, as taking a role on your fourth line, uh, you, you team him up with Matt Martin, somebody else. Uh, he'll be he'll be a productive player, uh, a very productive player uh, as a complimentary, on a complimentary role for sure. Well, I, I like bringing in the experience uh, factor with Marlowe as well. Um I like the Hainsey deal fresh off the cup. Um, leaves the playoff team again next year? Probably so, right? 
probably so. I'm yeah. still, you know, the defense and, uh, you know, because they're short of defensemen from the standpoint of uh, currently they, you know, Hunlick went to Pittsburgh. They signed Ainsey, so, you know, that's a one-for-one. One. But, you know, again, I'm not making him out to be a superstar. But, you know, uh, Polak is a free agent, which they haven't signed. So uh, if they don't sign or trade for a free agent, a uh, trade for a defenseman, um, then that, that open spot is going to have to come from the pipeline. Right, right. Well, let's move on. Uh, stay, let's stay in Canada and go go to Montreal. They had they were one of the busier teams here, um, even going back to the Drew in trade. Um, they they basically focusing on redoing their defense core with Sergachev moving out. Um, what what do you make of of the Habs? Yeah, like you said, I mean, Alsner was a, was a great pickup, and I actually thought he was going to get uh, maybe a year more and and, and maybe a million dollars more per year. So five years, you know, at, at four point six and change, I thought was a was a good signing. Uh, you know, Joe Morrow and Shemenko will will help them on the back end of the defense. You know, they lost Emelin in expansion. They traded both of you to Buffalo right before the expansion draft, and Markov. Um, you know, I could re-sign him, but he's in a UFA right now, and I got to think that, you know, unless I can get him at a bargain price, probably won't. You know, carry price extension makes 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 total sense. Uh, obviously, you know, the elephant in the room is losing Radulov. This was a team uh, last year, as we saw in the playoffs, uh, that was pretty good defensively. You know, he had carry price, obviously. But other than Radulov against the Rangers, finding – Finding scoring was uh, a gigantic problem, and now well, they lost. Yeah, the that's been the which that that's been the knock on yeah. on the Habs the last the la- that's been the knock on the Habs the last couple of seasons is where's the offense coming from and and Radulov uh, when we did our preview show at the start of the year he was the wild card. Um, I think it, I think he proved himself that he's he's bona fide and he's serious about being back in the NHL. Um, Losing him, to, whatever you do on the defensive side, um, you're right back where you were. Yeah, it's a it's a big. Um, to be fair to them, they were kind of in a, in a uh, between rock and a hard place. You know, uh, damned if they did, damned if they didn't. Uh, you know, giving Rajkov, who I think is 31, a five year deal at six million per. You know, that's a tough contract to be honest with you in terms of age. In terms of productivity, we know he was uh, not uh, a choir boy prior to coming his first go around in the NHL. It seems like he matured, but there's a lot of risk involved in that deal. So uh, I can understand their position, and um, uh, and look, they they said that even though we desperately need him, uh, this isn't you know this isn't Wayne Gretzky here. So uh, <laughs> they need to they need to do. It's going to be hard because it's really, you know, there's guys who could help. I would use the terms help in free agency, maybe like a Thomas Vanek who could help. But uh, between now and next year's trade deadline, uh, they're going to need to find some some forwards who can put the puck in the net. And and maybe the plan of attack is, you know, having a top coach in Floyd Julian is we got Carey Price. We're going to play good defense. We'll have and we'll get by in the regular season, 
until the trade deadline will have it, you know, enough scoring to get by and be a top three team in the Atlantic. And then come the trade deadline, we're going to have to get a couple of people who want to make a playoff run. I, I would think that would be the plan of attack. Seems like it's the same plan. But I, I, you know, just from watching social media, I'm, I can say Habs Nation is not really enthused <laughs> about that plan. Right, right. Um, well, it's like that movie. You remember the movie? Did you see the movie Argo a couple of years ago? Yes. You remember the line, uh, uh, there are only bad options. It's, it, the only bad choice is, it, it, is finding the best option of the, you know, of the, of the bad ideas, you know? Yeah, there you go. Well, uh, I guess I guess we'll leave Habs in the wait and see category uh, as far as yeah. as as grading what they've done in the off season. I think they still have some more pieces to put together. Um, just a quick one, quick thought: the defense better, worse, different with the with the moves they've made. Um, are they going to get more offense out of oh, the blue I, line? I think I I, I think are, um yeah, no, I think it's better. I do think it's okay. better. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, we all we all know that um, the squad in front of you makes the, the goaltender better as far as the six go. So, um, right. look for look for Carey Price to have maybe returned to his form from a couple of years ago with, with an improved decor in front of him, and that's where they're banking their dollar on. Um, yeah. I'm going to put them in the wait and see category. I think they're going to be a playoff team for sure. But is, did the moves they make, make them a cup contender? That's, um, that's, I think the book's still open on that. Let's go, uh, let's go down the Eastern seaboard here and, uh, we'll start in the South. Our friend Matt Pryor covers the Florida Panthers. And I think he was, um, hey, lukewarm to, uh, how the expansion draft and then what, what came after July 1st, um, dad and off the wild card from Russia well, there was, there was talk for a while. He was going to join chip of coffee here in Vegas and that didn't work out. They bring in rotting for Vada, but losing 30 goals and, and a very friendly cap hit in March show out to Vegas and also trading Riley Smith. Um, that's a, probably a cap move for them. Uh, what do you make of what Florida's done? And do they have, did, did they do enough to get back to the playoffs? Well, if Matt Pryor is lukewarm, I am ice cold. I, I you know, yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, look, I, I'm not going to tell you that Dan Dinoff isn't going to be a good player for them. I, I have no idea. I don't think any wild card. Um, he's our Russian wild card well, this year. I got to say, yeah, he's going to take yeah, Radulov's spot. Yeah. We don't know. It, and I am not a big Rabada fan. Uh, he does very well when he's on extremely bad teams and gets more meaningful minutes that way. Uh, he's 35. I know it's a one-year deal, but he's I think 35 going on 36. So to go Dandino, Rabada from Riley Smith uh, and Marchessault, uh, that's a big that's a big drop off for me. I mean, but having yeah. said that, you know the core of the team, uh, you know. You know, these guys aren't going to be the core of the team. You know, Ekblad, Bukestad, uh, uh, you know, Parkhoff, uh, sure. Huberto, those guys are going to have to be stand up and be counted for. But I got to be honest with you, 
I think I, I think they're they're very iffy uh, in, in in a different way. I don't still don't love their goaltending to be honest with you. Uh, I think it's I think it's okay. I, they have depth there, but um, but but that wasn't going to change regardless. But uh, I think there's a lot of questions. And they've been trying to trade. The word is they've been trying to trade Jason Demers. Um, and there was a there was a rumor out there. Take care of what, what what you will. Uh, they had a done deal with Vancouver, and he evoked his no trade clause. If that's true or not, but um, at this point, with, with teams really assembling uh, uh, their their squads, I would say he's probably not going to get traded this summer. So um, I have a lot of questions about the Panthers. Yeah, let me uh, let me bring the Vegas angle into it. Would you think McPhee? Is it fair to say that Florida's the team he got the most from of what they had available? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, obviously, it seems like I mean, it seemed to me that uh, you know the Riley Smith thing was independent of who they lost in expansion, and yeah. um, they wanted that cap space, and for whatever reason, they would really down on Riley Smith, who you know had a terrific year the year before. Granted, he didn't have. A great year last year, but I mean, uh, to pick a number, there was a lot of Panthers that fell in that category. So uh, again, I, I, you know, they're there behind the scenes and all that jazz. But um, yeah, obviously to get uh, Riley now, Mark Marcheseau is only signed for one more year. Then he's a UFA. Kind of a tricky situation. If you're Vegas, do you approach him this summer to see if you can find if you can sign him? to a reasonable extension where, again, when I spoke before about, you know, security. So, for instance, if they went to him and say, hey, how about, you know, we give you a four-year deal at, at you know, $4 million a year? And you might say, well, why would he do that? He scored 30 goals last year. I'm like, well, because last summer he was the UFA and he signed a two-year deal for $1.4 million. So you make it <laughs> 700000 and someone and someone put $16 million guaranteed on the table there, uh, would he, you know, again, would he do that with Vegas? Right, exactly. Uh, so would he do that? I, I, I don't know. And then if you play it out, if you're Vegas and say, okay, let's see how next year goes. And if he, he duplicates what he did last year, well, now you're looking at a really, potentially a really big number. And would you want to go that way? So we'll have to see with that. Like, get why he was exposed with the quality of, uh, they were going to lose somebody good. So I, 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 they had, they were one of the deeper teams in that regard. So uh, I understand why they did, but I, I didn't understand the Riley Smith thing. I'd much rather have Riley Smith than Dandenong. Yeah, well, Riley Smith's the known commodity. Um, right. Dadding off the question off. I, I, <coughs> excuse me. Um, we'll see. I, I don't. Again, I, I think they're in in the same. Uh, wait and see category with with what uh, Montreal has done. Can can Dadanoff and Verbata replace what they lose in Smith and Marsh? So that's that's a tough call. The the salary cap on Riley, I get, but it I don't know. Did they use it in the best possible way? That's that's a remains to be seen kind of deal. Um, I don't know if this makes them a playoff team next year. Which I mean, if you're not in the playoffs and you're being active in free agency, obviously that's that's what you're trying to do. Is is you're trying to get in. You you need to get in the tournament. And with that, I want to go to Carolina, 
which was uh, what Justin Williams said when he re-signed back with his former team. Um, he said, and, and I think Carolina probably a bit of an overreach on, on the number, but short term. But Justin Williams said he believes that that's a team that can make that playoff and take that step next year. And he knows very well that all it takes is to get into the tournament. Um, he won the cup with the Kings as an eighth seed. He made it into the playoffs on the second to the last day of the season. So um, is is Carolina that team next year? Yeah, I mean, the only the only negative we can say about Carolina, I can say this about a few teams there, is the division they're in. I mean, if Carolina was in the Atlantic, um, I can make a pretty strong argument that they're going to be one of the top three, finish in the one of the top three spots. But unfortunately for them, they're in the Metro, who uh, you know, who I think is going to uh, who's going to house both wild card spots uh, next year. Uh, a little preview yeah. there for our uh, 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 our for our preview. Shows in <laughs> uh, right. Drop, drop a little something there, but uh, yeah, I think you know. Again, when players get older, there's always you know when is the you know corner going to turn, you know, and. Keep in mind, you know, playing with the players he did in Washington. But having said that, if Justin Williams, he can score 16, 17 goals versus 24, 25 goals next year with Carolina and still be a very productive player on and especially off the ice. You know, Marcus Kruger, who they picked up, gives them uh, good good depth. Trevor Randy-Reamside gives them uh, experience on the blue line and makes their blue line deeper. And while, you know, the the jury is still out if Scott Darling's the number one. Uh, there is no doubt that Scott Darling and Cam Ward as a tandem is a much better situation than Ward and Eddie Lack. So while there's questions there, they definitely greatly upgraded. And maybe, you know, maybe Darling plays, you know, it's a little different uh, tandem from the standpoint Darling plays 50 games and, and Ward plays 32 kind of thing. He plays more than your average backup. So, um, I, I I think they're heading in the right direction to say the least. Uh, they have more. They have a lot of young talent coming. Uh, I remember reading uh, Zach Devine, who really uh, liked their draft. They seem to draft well. So um, you know we'll see. Like I said, they're they've improved a little bit each year, and uh, they were not that far away from a playoff spot last year. So I think it's definitely a possibility. I'm gonna go back to my recurring theme here. Um, Including Scott Darling, I think that's nine Stanley Cups in the locker room that they've added. Um, that's huge. I think for the youngsters on that club, you bring in veteran leadership. You bring in guys that have been there. Even you're gonna you're gonna see guys that have worked hard their whole career. Um, show show the rest of the squad what it takes. I don't think that that intangible can be overlooked in what Carolina's done. I think that's I think maybe that's a large part of of bringing in these players um, is is putting championship experience right in the middle of that locker room. And I I think and I'll I'll, I'll drop a little too. I think Carolina, you know, they were in it this year, right down you know, pretty close to the end of the season for that last spot. 
and and I know it was wild. You were following it super close because the Islanders were right there too. But uh, Carolina and Tampa and Tampa, uh, Jersey was there for a while as well. But you know, I might really like Carolina next year. We'll have to wait and see on that. I I I, I I'm well documented. I think the more you, the more experience and the more times that you have a, a name on the Stanley cup in your room, the better it is for everybody in the organization. And it gives them credibility, I think, which is huge. And in, in my humble opinion, but um, I'm going to say for just for me, um, I think Carolina gets in the playoffs next year. I'm, I'm going to say that right now. I think I like what they've done is that, you know, can just Justin Williams not going to go home and score 30 goals, but I think the way he approaches the game as well as TVR and Kruger know what it takes. And I think that leadership group has just got a huge boost, a huge shot in the arm in Carolina. And I, and I, I'm, a, if, if you want to put grades on what these teams have done, I'm giving Carolina an A right now. Um, and we'll see how that turns out. Um, Let's see. Caps have been busy uh, staying staying in the East, <laughs> staying in the East. The, we all knew that, that Washington, you know, this was kind of their make or break season with some of the contracts that were up and, and where they were going to go. Uh, I never put credence into the, the, the rumors that were out there that uh, Ovechkin was available to be had. I, I never bought into that. You don't just do that, but there was, this was that season. You know what I mean? When you, when it's, it's lined up for you. And once again, they couldn't get out of the second round. So super busy, super busy. They got, they got Oshi done. Cause that's off in Orloff. Uh, obviously Shattenkirk, Alsner and Schmidt, uh, they got to be looking at redoing the decor. Uh, let Marcus Johansson go. Uh, is I don't. I mean, I see the need to make the moves, but are are some of these moves just seem like they're making moves for making moves' sake? Some of them seem like they're making moves because the salary cap wouldn't allow them to actually improve the roster. And you know you lock up Oshie because that's off in Orloff. That's going to be your core going going forward, obviously. So, um, Shattenkirk never really fit in, I would say, uh, with that group. Alsner's big loss. What what are, the Caps are taking a step backward? Yeah, well, to answer your question, they're in uh, a cap crunch. No pun intended. They have uh, seventeen players signed. I mean, uh, they have all their. Uh, quote unquote well RFA is now signed, but they have four million dollars for six players. So if you do the math, that's slightly yeah. under seven hundred thousand dollars per player. So you're looking at signing guys like Devontae Smith Kelly, who they signed last week on a two way deal, uh, for six oh, with a cap hit of six hundred fifty thousand. So for instance, Daniel Winnick, who's probably one of the better free agents out there who's a great role player who'll probably go under around a million dollars. That is too expensive for the Capitals. So um, that's, that's, that's the crunch that they're in and why they moved Johansson uh, to the Devils for two draft picks, who aren't the Devils draft picks, by the way. Uh, they were picks that the Devils acquired 
from Florida and, and Toronto. So they were able to hold on to their own picks, which is good in those second and third rounds because I think they're, they're still part of a rebuild even with that with that good move. Look, there's, there's no question in my mind that Washington, uh, one of the big reasons they've finished in the regular season as the conference was the, uh, winning the President's Cup is, is because of their depth. That has taken a gigantic hit. I mean, again, they lost Justin Williams. You lose Justin Williams. You lose Marcus Johansson. I mean, what a decor to lose. Shattenkirk, Alsner, and Nate Schmidt. I'll take that as my top three any day. So, sure. Uh, those those top three defensemen that they have, and Niskanen, Carlson, and Olof, they all are going to have to stay healthy next year. Uh, if there was a major injury to one of them, uh, that would be a big problem. Now, I am not telling you that I think the Capitals are not going to make the playoffs next year. Uh, but uh, in terms of is it is it possible that they can go from being clearly the team that finished uh, that's won the division the last two years to a wild card team? Yeah, I think that is possible. And they're going to have to stay healthy uh, with their core players because they're, uh, they're going to be running lying on some kids them finding some bargains off the off the, the free agency, if you will, at this point, uh, to contribute. So I think there is a lot of questions in Washington and, and in terms of, you know, being a cup contender, uh, they've definitely taken a step back, there's no doubt. Yeah, and and going back to my my Carey Price theme, who may be a better with the, the defense that the Habs brought in, I mean Brayden Holtby's been off the chart the last two or three years and been phenomenal with with that group in front of him and and one thing that we need to see is if Holpe can continue to do what he's done with the <coughs> excuse me with that re- revamped decor in front of me um that's a question mark for me with this team going forward too um that it's always a weird dichotomy when you talk about the, the how the top six affects the goalie and how the confidence in the goalie and, and the goalie play you know in turn, uh, frees up the the six to to be more offensive minded going forward, and we'll, we'll, that's one question that I'm going to have for the Caps is that can Holpe still maintain the just the video game numbers he's been putting up the last couple of years with with that revamped decor? When we saw Dallas and St. Louis notably last year. And you know Florida as well. Go through this. I'm changing up my philosophy and defense. Um, going from playoff teams, you know, two of the three missed missed the playoffs entirely. After going through a a you know a, a top six you know a top four change and and it really Florida standpoint an entire change in philosophy from what they were doing on defense. Um, it, that's going to be my question, and I'm going to have to look at that when we go into our previews shows next season on, you know, what how how that decor is going to maintain what they've been able to do, and will Holpe be able to maintain? Can they go to a wild card spot? Absolutely, Chris. I agree with you 100. Yeah, percent let's uh, let's stay. Let's stay. Let's go to your hometown. Uh, let's look at the New York Rangers because they there were some trades they did 
that we don't have listed on our notes that um, are going to affect that squad next year and also the free agency that they've they've done bringing in Shattenkirk most notably um what do you make of of and then and if you're going to put them in a capsule um put into the the Dominic Moore and the deals with Phoenix and the free agency what are we looking at with the Rangers next year are they looking more I think for me, they're looking more uh, trying to maybe get the personnel more in line. We know from Coach Vino's time in Vancouver that he does like a, a higher paced kind of a more skill oriented squad for his style of coaching now. And if full marks to Coach Vino for being able to take this team, uh, you know, deep into the playoffs with maybe personnel that doesn't actually fit his style. Um, but is, is that kind of where we see New York heading is, is moving towards that Pittsburgh style game with some of these moves? I think that's what they're hoping. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. They, they, they taken a big hit at center, losing Lindbergh in expansion and trading Stefan um, to, to Arizona and, the fact that they're counting on, and I'm a big fan of the kid, Leah Anderson, who did play on in the Swedish League with uh, Lena Soderstrom, by the way, to win the Swiss championship on the team over there against men, but asking an 18-year-old, now granted, you know, he'll be their whatever, third-line center, but it seems like they're banking on him being one of their centers. And and then I think there's a big drop-off between Rodna, who's now in Arizona, part of that trade, and, and Pavlik. Um you know, Brendan Smith, to me, is, is a nice player. Uh, but having said that, he's not a top four. He's probably an excellent third-pairing defenseman. So, you know, getting full point three. He's the Chris Russell of the Eastern Conference in a different way, a different player. I mean, Shattenkirk, no doubt, is a sexy move. Uh, he will help. Uh, he, he will obviously give them, give them more offense. He'll presumably help them on that power play, which has been a problem for years. So, though, you know, one would have thought that Keith Yandel, that they traded for a couple of years, two, three years ago, was going to be the solution to that. And, and, it was, and it wasn't. But there's no doubt, I think, I mean, a lot of people have beaten up Kevin Chattenberg, local kid from New Rochelle, Westchester County. He, he's going to help. He's going to be a really good player for them. The thing is, if people are counting on him to be a difference maker, I would say if you look at Kevin Shattenkirk's career, mostly in St. Louis, who's been a very strong team, who, who have not been able to get to the promised land, and then trading to the deadline, adding to that Super Caps team, and basically none of his teams were able to get to that promised land. So uh, I'm not blaming Kevin Shattenkirk for that. My point being is him alone is not going to be, you know, is he a difference maker player? I, I, he needs support. It's tough. Uh, I know that. And yeah. That, uh, yeah. So, so I think the Rangers are, you know, I still question about, uh, are they strong enough in their own? And the, the goalie situation, you know, keep in mind, Lunkus is 35. He'll be 36 uh, next March before the playoffs start next year. Um, there's, like I said, questions at center. Um, I think there's a lot of questions there. There's a lot of talent, but I think there's also a lot of questions there. It's, uh, uh, it'll be an interesting year for the Rangers. Are we going to leave the book open on them? They're still a playoff team, right? I think. I think tough to tell. Metro. 
I think the Metro, you know, I would say if they were in the Atlantic for sure. But in the Metro, you know, you got a lot of tough teams there. Um, Jersey, definitely not. Philly, probably not because I'm not a fan of their goaltending. And as much as I'm a fan of Nolan Patrick, asking a 19-year-old rookie, you know, they did basically move Braden Shen to open up a spot for him. But, you know, the Islanders and Carolina didn't make it, and those are both really good teams moving forward. Um, it's You know, the Rangers got off to that fast start last year, and then basically from January on was like a 500 team. Um, so um, I'm not uh, – I think they're going to be in that, that mix. It's going to be very close, but I'm not ready to write it down in ink uh, in terms of them making the playoffs. I think a lot's going to – depend on if Lundquist can have a full healthy season. He said, you know, the bug has bit him Definitely. about bit the last couple of years. And, and I mean, I know they bring in Pavel like as a backup. I, it's yep. goal, goaltending is goal is a theme that I'm seeing as we go through all this, they're going to have to rely a lot more on Lundquist maybe than they have in the last couple of years. And if he if he goes out, you know, we talked about if if uh, one of the the Caps' top three defensemen goes out long term, if Lundqvist goes out long term, um, I could see New York yeah. taking that step back and missing the playoffs entirely next year. Absolutely. You, you mentioned that the, they lost the 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 Lundberg and Step on down the middle. Um, tough to replace that kind of center depth and you know if you go down the middle and then ugh, if Lundquist goes out that could be that could be a tough tough season next year for Rangers fans <coughs> I don't and excuse again, me if he, if he, even if, he, if even if he just misses a month I mean I'll give you a case in point yeah. if I, I I brought this point up I think towards the end of the regular season uh the Islanders were manly inconsistent last year they got off to a horrible start okay but at the end yep. of the day the end of the day, the reason that the Rangers, who quote you know comfortably made the playoffs as the number one wild card, and the Islanders did it, was because the Rangers averaged slightly more than one point in the standings per month. So, if if Lundqvist at 35 years of age, who's coming off a knee procedure, I believe, uh, this summer. Uh, were to miss, let's say, because he is getting older and something were to happen and he would be out a month, well, it, you could see, you know, people might say, well, how can you say that? How can you say that they're iffy? Uh, because the difference in this league is so small, is so small, it's ridiculous. Yeah. In terms of make, and, and the fact that that is the fact of being in the Metro uh, is, a, is a big theme of, of that. Same thing when we talk about the, some of the central teams. Same theme in that case with the top six out there. <sighs> well, let's go to the team they're all chasing. They've uh, they've lost quite a few pieces. Um, is Pittsburgh still the best team going into next season? Yeah, they've definitely taken a hit, which usually happens uh, more so this year. Uh, first of all, just losing Flory. Uh, from this standpoint, you know, Pittsburgh last year had the benefit of having two number one goalies. Uh, and we saw that as being a huge coup in the regular season when Matt Murray missed some time and as, as well as the beginning of the postseason 
when when Matt Murray uh, pulled up lame at the beginning of it. So not having Flurry and having uh, Niemi, who I think if Murray's healthy, being a guy who could play 20, 25 games or being a guy for the first half, if you will, you know, could do do enough. Uh, and then they have the youngster, I think his name is Terry, who they like, but uh, I guess obviously they don't feel he's ready yet, but he, he could be in the near, in the near future. Um, so that's that's a big, you know, that's that's a big luxury that's now that's now gone. Um, you know, you look at you know defensively losing again, not that these guys are superstars, but losing Hinsley, Daly, Kunitz, and Benino, um That's a big hit to your to your depth, to it's, your yeah, uh, to, to your to, in terms of experience. So they're going to rely on a few more kids. I would not be surprised if. You know, somewhere out there, if they feel this is the right fit. I mean, Matt Cohen, although he is 40, um, I don't know what his plans are. He hasn't announced his retirement. Uh, could they bring him back on a one-year deal? I even heard Yager's mention, which would be a which would be a great story. But they they have some kids that they like. Um, and obviously, the last point about it all is, look, they've gone the gauntlet the last two years. So that you would yeah. think, even though you didn't see that impact last year. I think I think you might see that impact this year from the standpoint. What I mean is, uh, you know, in terms of winning the division um, and going, you know, and being a team that, you know, finishes with whatever 114 points, whatever they finish with, they might wind up being, you know, a 103 point team, and they definitely make the playoffs, and maybe they'll get some reinforcements at the trade deadline and all that, and be ready to rock and roll. Uh, and be dangerous, but uh, I, I I don't think there's going to be uh, an urgency like they have to win the division. Like they could say, hey, we could be the wild card. I mean, well, quite frankly, uh, if you look, if you're Pittsburgh, Washington, and Columbus, uh, like last year, it, the team that won the division obviously got a much uh, quote unquote softer landing in terms of the wild card. Although they got Toronto, who gave Washington all kind of fits. But if you were Pittsburgh, you got Columbus, and if you were Columbus, you got Pittsburgh. So, from that standpoint, yeah. unless you win the division, theoretically, um, uh, you know what's the difference of you know? There's really no reward because how good that division is, um, and for in terms of getting the second and third slot. So, um, they're definitely going to make the playoffs next year. They're definitely a, a contender, but they've taken a hit, and uh, much more so than the year before. I agree, and I remember thinking when they uh, the Kessel deal had like ten players going back and forth. It wasn't just a, a small time thing. And I at at the time, and go back and listen to it. I I said that that was just way too much for one player. You're you know overplayed. Where's the depth coming from? And I, I was I'll say it right now. I was on record way against that deal. And so what they do? They won two Stanley Cups. Um, can they do the same thing that Chicago does in just retooling it every year? Then, and you know, we we haven't really talked about Chicago at all. Um, they've made a few moves as well. I don't, I don't know if that you know. It, let's say Flurry, Knitz, and Benino. That's that's three really big pieces. Daily as well. Um, that's. That's really big pieces. They when when the Blackhawks well, retooled after. Go ahead. 
Pittsburgh has done a much better job of, uh, in terms of their support players behind their core players, and Pittsburgh has had better overall goaltending, goal uh, with no disrespect to Corey Crawford. That has been the two differences in terms of, you know, how why Pittsburgh these last couple of years uh, with their cap uh, issues, if you will, for having those big players versus the Blackhawks. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. But now comes that that they slip into the window that Chicago slipped into around maybe 2014-ish when, when – you know that that pipeline depth is it is it there? Can they fill the holes? And then what we you know we we didn't really put put Chicago in our notes this week, but just to segue a little bit into Chicago, they you know move out the bread man, they bring back sod, um, a little bit of a little bit of what's new is old again, or what's old is new again, I should say in Chicago. Um, just, just real quick, what, what do you think, Chicago? Have they done enough to get back to where their fans expect them to be year in and year out, um, which is contending for the Stanley Cup? The first first round playoff exit. If you watch the press conference, um, is a very unhappy general manager in Chicago, and <clears throat> he's made some changes there. You know, losing losing a couple pieces. Ooh, what just just a quick off the cuff on Chicago, if you could. Yeah, I think um, they're in a very tough division, uh, so that's not going to change. So they're going to have a very tough first round opponent. Opponent, uh, I would worry if something happened to Corey Crawford with them going with the, the kid that they got from uh, Columbus. Obviously, they're minus Marion also for the whole year next year, so that's a big hit on on, on their changes. Uh, yeah, yes. do I think that Chicago is going to be one of the top three teams in the Central? Yeah, most most likely, yes. They're going to be a playoff team next year. But once the playoffs starts, uh, I think it surprised me that they made a run. No. Would it surprise me if they lost in the first round again? No. Hmm. I think I – you know, I've said it before about Chicago, and that's a team that – I mean, they're not dead until you, you stick the knife in their throat with your foot on their chest. Um, and, and, and I'm not going to fall into the same trap that I fell into a couple of years back on the show where I wrote them off because then they went and won the Stanley cup again, um, three years ago. Uh, but do I think that the challenges this time around are a little, a little more unique than they've had to face in the last couple of years? And do I, I, do I think that the Panarin move is going to really impact them, not just in missing his offense, but in finding chemistry to play with Patrick Kane on the second line? Absolutely, I do. I think that's um, – I think the league's moving towards the more dynamic offensive-style approach. I don't think that's any secret. And then, I mean, without even looking it up, Panarin had to be their third or fourth leading scorer. Um, yep. And then you then you replace that with a you know a more defensively minded two way player coming in that that is familiar with the team obviously 
I, I don't know. There's a dynamic that might be missing in Chicago that they've had the next couple of years or the last couple of years, I should say that I, I, I mean, just watching Kane and Panarin play, play with each other and, and the dynamic they brought when they were on the ice together is always, it's always fun to watch. Um, so I question where that is going to come from again with, with what they've been able to do so far. Um, I, I, you can't count that team out no matter what they do, but I'm with you. I won't be surprised if they're in the, in the finals in the West next year. Um, I won't be surprised if, if they run into a buzzsaw in the first round again and have a very tough, tough road through the playoffs. Um, that's a tough division too. Could they slip down to a wild card spot? Maybe the three spot with the, um, the moves Dallas made, are they going to be back up, up, um, in 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 the top of that division again, uh, I think bringing in Bishop uh, was was huge. Everybody knows that that's been, you know, their goaltender situation, cap wise, on ice performance, every other way you can look at it has has been it didn't work. Whatever the plan was there in the net did not work. Um, so Niemi's out. Bishop's number one. Lennon's probably. Maybe not happy going back down to the number two role there, but I think that that they're obviously their goaltending. I was a big fan. I'm a big fan of, of Bishop. I was hoping that somehow he was going to end up in Vegas, but they 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 end up with Flurry, which you know isn't a, isn't a bad consolation prize there. But um, bringing in Martin Hansel, he's a little bit older, uh, biting the big bullet with Radulov. I think he fits more into what Dallas likes to do. Now you bring in coach Hitchcock, who's more of a defensive structured coach than, than Lindy Ruff with more of a wide open style while he was there. Um, it, the personnel, I think, I think Radulov will just, you know, one of the league's best offenses and adding Radulov obviously doesn't hurt that. Um, well, let's go come out to the West now and take a look at Dallas. What what do you make of them back? I think back in the playoffs for sure. Yeah, and then they also traded for Mark Mathos from Vegas, so they added a veteran right. uh, defensive blue liner who played with Carlson and excelled, uh, letting Carlson do his thing. And one would think he would team him up with with a John Klingberg in that in that regard. Yeah, I, I would say that Dallas though. Added some uh, a lot of depth in terms of their defense. They're still going to be young. Uh, they're they're more experienced. They're getting better. They added an elite coach, um, not the Lindy Rose uh, uh, bad coach, but Ken Hitchcock's an elite coach. Uh, they added a two-way center in Hansel, and they added a you know a dynamic offensive player in Rachel off to go with their other existing dynamic players. And they added a guy who's been a Vesna finalist two of the last four years. Uh, he just has to be healthy. Um, so, yeah. uh, in that division, no doubt, um, uh, I think they're a favorite uh, to land a, uh, to land a uh, playoff spot. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be the wild card in the top three. Uh, that division is, uh, we don't have Winnipeg in our notes, but I like what they did, even though they were kind of more of under-the-radar moves, that they, uh, they got better uh, defensively in their own end, and they got stronger in goal and more depth in goal. So when I look at those six teams, those top six teams, and this will probably lead into our discussion about what Colorado should do and where they're at. I mean, you think about Winnipeg and Dallas now making the playoffs last year. Um, again, if they were in another division, I would say that they would be playoff teams. But 
at most the Central can house in the playoffs so the West is, is five teams. So that means one of those top six teams is not going to make the playoffs. Uh, I, I have no clue who that's going to be. Probably the team that gets hurt most by the injury bug. But uh, that is going to be a really evil division. And um, uh, you got to like where Dallas is heading. Now, you know, in terms of cup contention, we'll have to see in terms of that young defense. But um, for sure, uh, they've had a strong offseason, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, 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 I can't say where I'm going to put him yet, but. Right. I'm gonna say that that they're a, a solid B plus A in in their offseason work so far, and I, I think I'm I'm gonna take the wild card label off of Radulov this season. I he, he said he, he right. showed signs that he's matured from his first time around. Um, you know, Montreal gave him the second chance, and I think he proved he proved just that. And and I like that. You know, Terman. Term and cap, term and length, cap number, whatever. Um, just, just on ice. I, I like the signing. Uh, I'm a big Bishop fan, as, as well stated. Uh, Dallas is going back to the playoffs next year. With if if Dallas is is well, as Matt Pryor, let's say lukewarm on Florida. You're ice cold. Uh, I haven't talked with Matt yet, but I'm pretty sure he's he's happy with with all things Dallas Stars uh coming you know getting ready for next season. I, I gotta believe that. Absolutely. I gotta believe that too. So um Preds Preds uh James Neal's out. He's in Vegas. They bring in Bonino, Hardinal, Emelin for the defense. Another another deal with Vegas there. Um, can Nashville recapture what they did this year? Are they a one-off, or is that is that a nucleus with what they've done now in the offseason, bringing in, you know, cups with Benino, bringing that experience into the locker room, uh, Emlyn for the D, Hartnell for grit, and you know, Hartnell always surprises me when I look at how many goals he scores. I always I always think of him as as the the gritty two-way. 22 point player and then you look down and he's got 20 goals again um is i guess is nashville they're gonna be a top five team in the west again i would think right yeah i would think so too i mean granted you know they lost probably of the four players you mentioned james neal is the best goal scorer but you know nick Benino is probably the best two-way player and they hated some uh, great depth, and you know, keep in mind, Emelin's going to be on their third pairing of defense, and right. he was the top their defense score might be goal. the. They might have the best defensive core in the league next season. Right, and um, and Hartnell again is going to be asked to be a role player, and so uh, on a one-year deal. So I think they added great depth to their team. Uh, I re- you know, I, I think they've had a, all the moves really fit into to their team into the what they're trying to do, um, how they play. You know, again, the problems is the division, um, um, uh, how deep it is. It's a meat so, grinder. Uh, I mean, they're, they're definitely going to be, in my opinion, one of the top three teams in the Central. And then, you know, obviously they need to be healthy and playing well come playoff time. But, um, sure, uh, can they make another run next year? Absolutely. Well, as, our, as a good friend of the show, Jillian Fisher, 
at Fisher Jillian on Twitter. Um, you know, a couple years ago, we had the, a real good conversation with her about the culture in Nashville and, you know, I, social media. Oh, look at the brand new hockey fans. Well, no, that clearly is not the case. Um, it, it, there's a hockey culture in Nashville that's, I don't know if it's fueled by all that nonsense was fueled by um, that's jealousy of, of how Nashville performed in the playoffs and how their, their fans su supported them um, or just people that follow their own team and not the sport of hockey that, that ownership group. And we brought on uh, Mr. Bradford who wrote the book, the making of Smashville, which is a fantastic read and, and brought up a lot of points on how the Vegas market and the Vegas ownership group could, you know, take a, take a lesson from how to build a hockey culture in a non-traditional market. Cause that's been being built and, and it didn't just happen this year. That's been uh, growing consistently and they put the stadium down where it needed to be to get the excitement in the, in the, in the, in the community. Um, so, you know, congratulations to the Nashville Predators, a well-deserved season. I don't, for me, think it was lightning in a bottle. I picked them in our central preview show to win that division outright. And, you know, for whatever reason in the regular season, um, that didn't happen. But I had all the confidence in the world that they could make that kind of a run and go back and listen to the, I'm not just speaking after the fact, go back and listen to the central pre division preview show for the season that we did. And that was my pick to win that division. Um, and I, I hard to say, um, I think they're probably a little deeper on the forwards core after this. Um, I guess, I guess, I guess, I, and like I said, probably right now on paper, it's definitely a top three defense core in the league next season. Um, if Pekka Rene can do what he did this season and, and they, they were able to rest him and not get him into the 65, 70 games played range, and he was able to enter the playoffs fresh, I don't see any reason at all Nashville can't, um, have another strong postseason. I don't, I don't think they've been weakened at all. Um, James Neal's a tough player to lose, community favorite, locker room favorite. But, again, you're bringing in Benino and, and, and a guy who has won a cup. That's my recurring theme today. Um, two cups. You bring that into the locker room of a team who seems to be right on the cusp of, of you know, being one of those contenders for the Stanley Cup the next few years that does not hurt your culture any. And I think, I think that's a, a, a solid signing there. Uh, look, look for the Brett Preds to go ahead. One last thing about Nashville. I'm not saying that they're the favorite in the West to represent the West in the Stanley cup next year, but there's no one who is, is more of a favorite than them. If that makes any sense. So they're at least it, on it, equal it does footing. Make sense. They're at least on equal footing. With any team you want to pick in the Western Conference. Yeah, if someone if someone wanted to do a little compare and contrast essay with Team A versus the Nashville Preds, and you were doing just matchup work with them, 
you're not going to come out and, and, and have a, have a 70 30 against Nashville with any team in the West by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I, I think they were able to maintain what they had, you know, minus Neil. And I like the pieces they brought in. So there's, going to be going to be a fun season next year let's uh it pretty much covers everything we talked about let's you know we'll finish the show with a vegas note we are the vegas hockey podcast oh, do, you want to, um, do you want to do want to talk about uh matt duchene real quick yeah you can i don't think he's going anywhere i think uh right. i think him and landis gog i think sackick wants too much for him i think it was <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> maybe maybe it was prudent of him being how horrible of a season they had and and it was prudent of him to see what was out there um but you're not going to get a Gretzky return uh for those two right. players and I think I think it was due diligence on his part to see what was out there and nothing came back that overwhelmed him and said this is a deal we can't pass up and I don't think he's going anywhere what um, what's your take on that? This is my take on it. Clearly, Duchene has been shopped since last off season, and and clearly this this last November, um, Shaka came out with that uh, you know pre Stan Bowman pounding the table of saying you know this is unacceptable. I only have three players in my organization that are untouchable, two of which was his top two prospects along with Nathan McKinnon, and, you know, really since then, as, you know, not just put, you know, it's one thing to put Duchesne out there to see if there's a deal that makes sense for you, quietly, is another thing to do that, and put him out there publicly, through the trade deadline, all season, and clearly with only two years of controllability, Matt Duchesne is not going to be part of the bus moving forward in Colorado's eyes. And no, because they just they point. just drove the bus over him. He's not, right. not going to get exactly. on the bus. That's the other thing. <laughs> right. It's not going to happen. If they, even, if, even if Colorado at this point said, you know what, I think we've been looking at this wrong, and maybe we should be thinking about keeping and building around Matthew Shane, who, you know, by the way, I read today online, he's getting married today, so mazel tov to him. Um you know, I don't think that Duchesne is going to be looking to sign an extension uh, with, with the Colorado Avalanche. And then when yeah. I look at this division and where they are at here and now, it, they don't have they're they don't have the answers in goal either now or in the future. They don't have the answers on the blue line between now and the near future. They don't have the answers in terms of depth between now and the future. In fact even though they've been a bad team the last couple of years, they don't have a great prospect pipeline. Um, it, it's, there is so much work to do, and they're in a killer division. Now, putting my Islander pom-poms aside for a second, if I look at what the Islanders offered them, and I do that in terms of just an analysis of a return, if they offered them Travis Hamannick, and their first-round pick in next year's draft, which is being evaluated as a killer draft in a good way. And then Hamannick winds up going to Calgary for Calgary's first round next year, second round next year, and a future second. If you told me today, which Colorado could have done, that I can get Matt Duchesne, I can get 
two firsts in next year's draft to go along with my first and have three top three first round picks in next year's killer draft. Add a add a, a couple of seconds. Um, that's how you build a team and get things turned around. His value is only going to drop um, between now and kicking the can down the because that's what they're doing. They're kicking the can down the road, and controllability is a big like Carolina. People said, well, that would be a great fit, Matthew Shane to Carolina. Our Francis came out and said, I am not trading. Not meaning, not mentioning Matthew Shane. Big future assets for a guy who's going to be here, for any player who's going to be here for a year or two, and then walk out the door. So the value is only going to go down. And if Duchesne does not bounce back from last year, which was beyond a poor year, um, or if he gets injured, the value is going to plummet. So this is, to me, his high watermark. And expecting to get four premium assets is... You could say, well, that's what you should get, and this and that. You're, yeah, you're in, you're in La La Land. I mean, you really are. And there is a time and a place when a player's value is at its highest, and when you wait too long, um, it goes down. And I think that's what Sackick has done. So given where the Avalanche organization is, they should not be focusing on who can give me a defense for now. Or the, they should be focusing on the best future pack, package that they can get on players who can help them in the near future between next season and the, and the season beyond and people they can build around, i.e. top prospects and first-round picks from next year. So that is the way they should go. That is not how they're going to go. And next year in that division, they're gonna, it's going to be another nightmare here. I will say it is a shame that they've <laughs> – fourth overall pick the way the lottery turned out for us as i mean i guess and and i i can't accuse colorado of tanking they're just a bad hockey club and when your gm's pub, publicly throwing your two be- best players out the window um that doesn't help anything either um so a disaster year for colorado no question and um, it's gonna be another disaster next year. There's it's no gonna be to another disaster. And you know, if you so, if you rewind so. re- rewind the clock 15 years, and look at where Edmonton was, and it took a player like you know Connor McDavid and Shirelli coming in and bringing in a couple other players to lock, lock down things. Um, I and you know two of their number one overall picks are out the door already in Edmonton. Um, it's gonna take that long and that lucky of a pick to get this franchise started again. I, I agree with you 100%, and, uh, Chris. I, last point I'll make, keep in mind, Matthew Shane's agent, Pat Brilson, is kind of one of these super agents. And, you know, this story may not be over yet in terms of this summer. It might, it might be cooling at this point, but it could pick up again as we get closer to training camp. And his agent says, Matt wants out. This is ridiculous for everyone. You need to cut the best deal that you can. Otherwise, we're going to have a problem here. And that's the last thing that Colorado uh, And maybe, yeah, they, that's, and maybe uh, they do that quietly. Ooh. Maybe they do that quietly. So Why would um, they, though? Why would they, why would they do that quietly after what management's uh, done publicly? Oh, that's true. What do they owe Colorado? Right. No, I think quietly from their own PR standpoint, so they don't make it look like 
you know, Mathis, bad guy, or, you know, you know, people start taking pot shots at him or other teams getting scared to acquire him. Well, I'll say this, and I'll say this for for both Duchesne and Landeskog, who's, I guess, been taken off the table or at least not as publicly yeah. shopped uh, the last six yeah, months. Yeah, you don't really use both, and both, players, the big- both players have been very quiet. They haven't gone to the media and complained about the situation. Uh, uh, you know, hockey players are hockey players. Very, They've been very humble about it. What's being done behind the scenes, we don't know. But there hasn't been the the public backlash from either player going through this whole process. So uh, kudos to both the, those gentlemen for handling a very difficult situation in as professional as a manner as they can. Um, but keep yeah, in mind, to, Landis Cog, point here, Landis Cog is signed for the next four years, whereas Duchesne signed for the next two years. That's the problem, is years of controllability. Uh, on top yeah. of the fact that you know, he had, you know, he had 41 points last year and didn't even hit 20 goals, and he was healthy the whole year, and was a minus 34. So yeah. anyway, let's finish up with the Vegas Golden Knights. Yes, let's do that. We've uh, got a few minutes, a couple minutes left to go. So since since the the expansion draft and the entry draft, they've they've made their moves. Um, recently, Emeline Emeline's gone, picking up a third. In 2019, they traded for Kruger. It, it was a deal that was done bef- before the expansion draft, but there was a salary payment due Kruger on July 1st that the Blackhawks picked up, and then they flip him, uh, they're picking up a fifth in 2018. Um, overall, I think McPhee just killed it at the entry draft. Um, his first four picks and also, you know, Another shout out to our Sweden friends. Uh, Eric Branstrom might be the steal of the draft. Um, is I, I was expecting Lilligren to go in that spot, and uh, McPhee obviously, and and Crew obviously like Branstrom uh, better towards the move, puck moving dynamic ability that he has. So uh, Sweden hockey fans take note. Uh, Branson's arrival, 2018-2019, get your Vegas Golden Knights hats out. It's uh, and I and I'd like the Lachishan pick at the end of the third round a whole lot. Um, coming off his knee injury, if he if he can get his leg back to 100, percent that third round pick right there might um, look really good in two or three years too. But uh, what you want? You, know, you want to feel old? Want to feel old? No, no, I do not, sir. <laughs> you know that kid you brought up. His dad is Curtis Lecision, who played in the league in yes. over years. I'm sure you remember him for sure. And I remember, yes, sir. I love, uh, you know, when you have that hockey bloodline, um, the kid, you know, he's never going to be overwhelmed with a moment. He's he's been around the culture for his whole life. Um, you you get kind of a built-in stability and maturity about how to go about your business, how to act when you're at the rink, how to work, what you need to do to become a professional. He's been, you know, um, since day one, you know, the kid's been in that culture. And if he hadn't hurt his knee, uh, projected late first, early second round picked instead of the end of the third round. So uh, I, I like I like that 
I like everything that they've done on the amateur side. Um, what, you know, they've, they still need to take a few million dollars off their cap to be where they want to be. And they do still have pieces on defense that, you know, need to move. You can't go into the season with 10 demon on NHL contracts. And now I think, as we said before, when we were wrapping up that with Dana Lane, um, that now the league kind of has the leverage on McPhee as opposed to, you know, before when McPhee held all the cards, um, they can make him twist and, and turn a little bit, uh, maybe low ball for some of the demon that, that he's going to have to move. And that's fine. That's turned about as fair play. You knew that was going to happen if there wasn't a big rush for defensemen uh, right out of the gate. And, you know, I have faith that, that McPhee and the night staff will, will get the best possible out of the, out of the 10 demon left, we know which way he's going. He's keeping his younger players. Um, he's keeping Schmidt, I believe. So out of the 10 left, who do you think can bring the biggest return uh, after looking at the free agent market? Yeah, I think what would be wise after moving Amelie? And, you know, he did pick up a third rounder, but it was in 2019. Um, you know, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, the Knights already have 12 picks in 2019. I think they have three in the second and three in the third, as well as their first round pick. Which is they only which have six awesome. picks in next year's draft. At, yeah, but they only have six picks in next year's draft at this point. Obviously, they have their right. own first round pick. So, I would look at those ten defensemen and say, okay, Griffin Reinhard uh, is probably going to start here in the AHL. He was mostly in the AHL last year. So he will be kind of a reinforcement down below. And then I would probably okay. carry eight, eight defensemen uh, for the opening night roster. And at this point, I would not move unless I could get close to fair value uh, a Jason Garrison or uh, or Stiza, from Van, who they got from Vancouver. The reason being is I think those two guys are going to be very wanted and valuable at next year's trade demo. You look at last year's trade I agree trade with that. And, go, yep. and Detroit got from the Rangers for Brendan Smith uh, a second and a third. Now, it was over the course of two years, but they got the Rangers second this year, and I think they got the Rangers third next year. So I think if you trade those guys now because of their cap hit, because how everyone's cap strapped, you're going to get half the value as opposed to waiting. And I think it's better to, there'll be, they're a better team from the get go with those guys in the lineup. So I look like a, I would look at a guy like John Merrill, who's, you know, only 25. Um, you know, he's really a third pairing defenseman, but because of his age, because he has a little cap hit, you might actually get, wind up getting, you know, a better pick moving him now. Let's say a third round pick next year or something along those lines, or maybe a right. fourth. Uh, that would be the better way to go. And then look for them to continue to sign people to two-way contracts and give them more depth because in case of injury or injuries, which will happen, that they have people to go to and they don't have to rush somebody in from the AHL. No, I, I think you're right. And, and that could be very well what happens unless, unless somebody missed out on, on, uh, somebody they were looking at in free agency and, and need to put a player into their top four. Uh, 
um, it doesn't hurt McPhee at all to, and, and I know you're you're very familiar with Reinhardt being an Islanders draft pick. Um, it doesn't yeah. hurt at all to just put put him in the A, let him let him keep growing. Sometimes defensemen take four or five years to develop into an, you know, back in the day, if you were a defenseman and you were drafted at 18, you know, you didn't see the NHL until you were 24, 25 years old. That this, this, you know, era of Drew Doughty and, and, and coming up as an 18 year old kid is, is, and playing defense in the National Hockey League, <laughs> that would have been unheard of 10, 15 years ago. To, pr- um, to prove, to prove uh, that point that you just made. Johnny Boychuk, who's not a superstar, but he's a solid, strong, two-way guy. Uh, it took him until the age of 25 to make it to the NHL. Yeah. Just to show how, how things have changed. So uh, don't rush Reinhardt. Then you can have, you'll have Eglin and Stoner as your seventh and eighth defensemen. And then you yep. have Schmidt, Theodore, Spiza, Garrison. Help me out here. I'm doing this off the top of my head. Uh, and then the uh, yeah. the other two, two defense. Too many to name uh, as your third pairing. So yeah, and, uh, and they'll, that's they'll, an they'll that's an NHL quality. That's an NHL quality top six. No yeah. question. They'll be in, in the. So that's that's what I would look now. If someone's willing to give you a second and a third for Spisa, it would probably be more likely to be Spisa because he has his cap hit is about one point four million cheaper, and at this time of the year, every dollar counts for everybody. Um, you know, so be it and jump on it. But if not, I would look to move Merrill. Yeah. Um, Colin Miller is still in the fold. He's one of the guys that'll be in the top six. Oh, that's it. That, that, exactly. Going, He'll going be on back. the third pair. That'd be great. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, fast, hard shot. He can, he can run your second power play unit, I believe. Um, with what with yeah. what's on the roster, he he he'll be he'll be uh he'll be logging heavy second power play minutes. I believe he's got the hardest shot and fastest skater award in the AHL All Star game a couple years back. So that was one of the picks that were kind of under the radar as a as a young developing guy. But he'll definitely be on that opening night roster for sure. And and I I agree. There's no rush for McPhee to to do anything right now. You go into the season with what you have if you if you know if you want. And you know you might want to slip well, somebody through have waivers. To move one guy. Yeah, I don't. It, I, I think he's probably going to want. He's going to have to move one guy. I think. I think the return. You know, right now, I don't think the return is there. I think if you get closer to the season and teams take a look at what they got, uh, the, the return will pick up a little bit the farther into the summer we go. Yep. So I, I think patience is a virtue. He doesn't have to rush anything right now, and I don't think he will. I, I think, agree with that. Um, I, 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 you know, I've said from the start when they started putting the staff together that this is an all-star front office staff, and I think they proved that in, from their scouting, their pro scouting, their amateur scouting, their ability to deal. Uh, they've proven themselves to be a fantastic front office so far, and – just for Vegas Golden Knights fans, uh, be proud of what your team did. They, the, the people new to hockey or whatever may not understand how tough it is to make deals to do the things that they did and and finagle their way into this this year's amateur draft and and select the players that they did. Uh, they they did a fantastic job. A plus A plus for the Vegas Golden Knights. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to call it a wrap. On the 2016-2017 national yeah, we hockey might, season, we, we, 
yeah, we might do a couple of shows. I would say I'm hoping we could do two shows between now and Labor Day. So uh, with a couple of Vegas-oriented guests. So we'll keep everyone updated on that. And then look for the next season, if you will, if you want to draw the demarcation line set of shows to start uh, mid-September with our season previews, uh, divisional preview shows. So we'll break down each division, have a special guest with that. Bring Dana Lane back. Each show will have a Vegas aspect. So, uh, but hopefully we could do you know even a couple of forty-minute shows uh, over the summer. Maybe one late July, one mid to third week of August kind of thing, and and then uh, and then get ready for a new season come mid September. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a fantastic time here yep. in Vegas, and we have a we have a couple things already uh, cooking with with uh, some people coming to town. Uh, kind of doing a co-host podcast deal with, while they're in town. Um, nothing set in stone, so I don't want to talk about it yet, but we're, we're going to have a really good season next year, and we're looking forward to it. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are putting the bow tie on the 2016-2017 National Hockey League season, the last season without the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Thank you once again, everybody. Uh, Russ and Chris, make sure you guys go over to Grandstand Sports and the Audio Boom channel that Russ has. Uh, check out all their content as well as hitting the play button on our podcast while you're on those sites. We look forward to the to the new partnerships going into next season. And with that, for Chris on Mark, we're gone. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.